Being a geek is all about being honest about what you enjoy and not being afraid to demonstrate that affection. It means never having to play it cool about how much you like something. It's basically a license to proudly emote on a somewhat childish level rather than behave like a supposed adult. Being a geek is extremely liberating. Those were the words of Simon Pegg, I'm Luke Hector, and you're listening to the Broken Meeple Podcast. There's a lot on today's show. The first impressions consist of 20th Century and Shadowrun Crossfire. I've got some news for incoming games, a discussion topic on whether you have to be able to win the game often in order to enjoy it, and then my top 10 games I hate. Hello and welcome to the show. It's the 25th of April and it's been one of the hottest Aprils I've had to deal with for quite some time in the UK. It seems that summer had come early for at least the last couple of weeks where it's just been gorgeous sun and I've been stuck at work. Typical. But, oh well, I'll get to enjoy some of that sun during the summer when I have a holiday booked for Rhode Island in, in, in Greece. That should be a good one for me and the girlfriend to do. I obviously won't be doing anything game related or even blog related during that time, but you know, that's ages away yet. As for gaming, well, the games are still flooding in. I'm still getting the reviews out on the site and particularly for Games Quest. I'm looking at other clubs to see if there are any sort of day events that last for, say, a good seven, eight hours apiece in order to justify the cost and time to travel there. I've looked at a couple in London, but they're not proving as cost-effective as I would like. However, there are one or two in Brighton that I would like to see, because Brighton's only about an hour and a quarter away. If I'm there for the whole day, that's not such a bad thing. But, yeah, I want to be able to just occasionally go to a different event every now and again, just for a day, you know. I don't need to go every week, but if, if it's worth the travel, then at least I can play games with new people for the entire day. Other than that, the biggest news that I've got is that I will be going to Essen this year. This is a certified fact. GamesQuest is taking their employees and a bunch of us volunteers along with them to do a bit of a, shall we say, you could almost call it snatch and grab, but obviously legit, not illegal. And I'm joining them on this trip. So my first time at a major convention other than the UK Games Expo, but, you know, Essen and UK Games Expo, yeah, which one do you think is a bit more overwhelming? And hopefully it's going to be a blast. I look forward to meeting the Dice Tower crew there, because I know that Tom and Z will probably be there, so I look forward to just meeting all sorts of cool people from Twitter and and Facebook, you know, that have kept up with my blog, or are part of this Dice Tower network, or like Games Quest, or read my blog, that kind of thing. And I really can't wait. I've already paid up. Uh, Travel should be easy enough. There's going to be a van going there and back, so I should be able to cart some games back without having to worry about luggage. And Obviously, I've got to carry them around, but other than that... But yeah, it's going to be sweet, I think. So yes, this year is the year. I promised that I would go to Wesson, and I am going. So yes, that's going to be good fun. Other than that, the Dice Tower Award nominees have now been released to a slot in the network, and we're currently discussing the basically which ones we think should win each various categories. Now, I can't disclose what's being nominated unless it's already public on the site, but essentially we are discussing them at the moment, and I look forward to actually doing the final votes on some of these 
and some good heat well I wouldn't say heated but some very good passionate discussions between us as to whether this game's good or whether this game's bad and it's good fun you know we get to debate about games with a lot of people and share the passion across the board so I certainly can't fault it for that Anyways, this episode is not going to be entirely ranting. There are some good bits to it, but certainly you're going to hear some rage from me when we get to the top 10 list later of top 10 games I hate or just will not play or certainly would not want to play unless you had to force me at gunpoint to do it. But first up, I'm going to kick off with just a few little tidbits of news. First up, from Days of Wonder, they have announced that there is going to be an expansion to Five Tribes later this year. It's called the Artisans of Nakala. Nakala? Nakala? It's N-A-Q-A-L-A. It's a weird spelling. Why can't they? Why can't game developers choose names that everyone can pronounce these? I don't know why. why. Why does this have to be some really obscure name? You know, with a Q and no U after it. You know, it's just weird. But anyway, it's a small box expansion and it's essentially more of the same. You're going to get a few, some more genie, some more tiles and that. But the main crux of this expansion is that there is a new tribe. New purple meeples are going to be littering the board and they are effectively called the artisans and they work day and night crafting precious items inlaid with gems. So essentially you're going to be able to use these to collect um, items and artifacts that are worth points and of, of course these will intermingle seamlessly with all the other meeples that we've had. So there's not much to say about the expansion in general, but obviously adding a new tribe means adding a new layer of strategy, and Five Tribes is already a very good strategy game as it is. So this is going to be a nice one for anybody who's a fan of Five Tribes. Probably won't cost very much. Of course, it's by Days of Wonder, and looking at the pictures, all the components and that are drop-dead gorgeous. Seriously, can we get a spin-off for these a spin-off game with these genie cards because they're just so good so gorgeous but yep that's going to release around June 2015 so not long to wait for that one a few additional details have been released regarding legendary encounters both the alien version and the predator version first up with alien all that's going to happen with that is that there will be an expansion for this before the end of 2015 that it's in upper decks plans but we don't know any more details as to what's going to be in the expansion but probably it'll be i don't know maybe they'll maybe they'll choose some scenarios out of the books that'd be quite good uh, you know, go into the alien lore a bit more because you've already done the four films, so not entirely certain where you would go after that. Or maybe they'll go from the computer games. There's been various computer games. Maybe we'd get something for. Ooh, maybe we could get something relating to Alien Isolation. That'd be really good. If you haven't played Alien Isolation, it's a really awesome PC game where you. It's a bit like the Outlast games where you basically you can't fight and you have to sneak around, do objectives and try and get out but you've obviously got something chasing you and you can't fight it so you've got to hide in lockers and duck behind cover and that while it goes past. It is one of the most tense and scary games I've ever played and it is awesome. So you should check it out if you like anything to do with Alien. But Predator is the big one that everyone's waiting for. This is going to release around Gen Con in July. And the idea with this is obviously it's going to be like the Alien one. So it's based on the first two Predator films. And allows you to play co-op as the humans from either of the movies to achieve objectives, etc. A la Alien against Predators. However, the twist with this one is that not only can you do the co-op with Humans v Predators. But you can also play competitively 
as predators and you can use the predator decks in legendary encounter aliens and vice versa the alien deck in legendary encounters predator so you know that one of the first things i'm going to do when i get this game and i am going to get this game it's on my review copy list is combine aliens predator because that is basically for anybody who likes the alien predator franchise that is our wet dream you know we want to be able to have aliens versus predator and now just wait a couple more months and we will be able to do it cannot wait for this this is probably one of my more anticipated games this year so legendary encounters predator if you like predators then i'm sure you're already eyeballing this one like crazy however that's not the only anticipated game on my hit list for the year finally it's we've been waiting so long for this and we've heard dice tower go on and on and on about this game until the point where it's like you're almost getting sick of it and that's mission red planet is finally getting its reprint from fantasy flight and it's due out in quarter three of 2015 they've released a few pictures on board game geek and their main website and i have to say well it is fantasy flight so what do you expect all the components look absolutely gorgeous so there is no question that this is going to look gorgeous on the table but Mission Red Planet is just one of these games that everyone's gone mad over I don't know how many people have actually played it out of the ones that are looking forward to this reprint but from what I hear it does look really good fun because you've got an area control aspect but you've got character cards with special abilities that you pick and choose which ones a bit like in Citadels but you've got this retro space feel because it's set in the sort of 1800s it's like alternative history and you're trying to obviously get to the red planet but oh it it looks great looks streamlined the graphics look amazing and from what i've heard about the game from tom and the gang on dice tower this is one that i think i'm going to really enjoy it's not on my review copy list unfortunately so i'll be grabbing this one myself regardless but quarter three so we've got a little way to wait but for those of you that have been waiting for Mission Red Planet, it's coming. Check it out on Fantasy Flight's website for more information. So, first impressions, and to kickstart off, I'm going to go with Shadowrun Crossfire. Now, recently, you might have seen from Twitter pictures and various notes that I've put up that I'm getting back into the Pathfinder Adventure card game. A friend of mine from who lives in London showed me the original Rise of the Rune Lords game a while back, and I enjoyed it. I thought the theme wasn't as strong as I would like, but I enjoyed the card game. Mechanically, I thought it was fine, despite the fact that the publishers made so many mistakes in the rules, and the cards themselves, hello, giant errata. But it was a fun game, but I never really continued with it after that. Recently, though, after helping out Games Quest at Insomnia, I was able to pick up a free copy of Skulls and Shackles, the new base set with the pirates. Well, I say new, it's already had all its adventure decks released, so I suppose it isn't that new. But this one, Shadowrun Crossfire, is kind of along those lines. It's another one of those deck-building cooperative games, but it differs from Pathfinder in certain ways. Pathfinder, you can pretty much create your deck from scratch if you wanted to, or use the set deck, and you've got all sorts of things like items and weapons and allies, that kind of thing. Shadowrun Crossfire is a little bit simpler in that regard, in that you've mainly just got uh, cards that have some special abilities, but it's more a case of whether they're like shooty range cards or mage cards or deck decker cards, which is kind of like a laptop guru type person. Anybody who knows the uh, Shadowrun lore knows what a decker is. 
But in this game, you work cooperatively with your friends, two to four players, and it's set in a cyberpunk fantasy world where you play as a Shadowrun team, which is kind of like a mercenary team, and take on tough jobs such as protecting a client, too smart for death, shooting your way out of Doomtown when a run goes sour, that kind of thing. And the idea is, is that in each game you'll improve your deck with a mix of strategies and by buying more cards, but as you go through the campaign you earn karma, which is like experience points, and you give your character upgrades and augmentations, which is done with stickers that you put on your character sheet, which gives it almost a kind of legacy feel, except I think you can take the stickers off, although it does make the game a little bit messy and a little bit fiddly when you're trying to play it from scratch and teach new people and your sheet's got all these upgrades on it that you don't need it on it anymore. So that's a little bit of a bugbear. The game itself is okay. I don't know exactly what to make it. I think I'm going to need more tries of this. It just... You play it, and there are some strategic choices you can make, whether you're going to... Because the idea is, is that ob- obstacles come up, they go in front of players, and they require a certain sequence of cards to beat. So it might need free damage from anything, it might need a black damage, it might need a green damage, that kind of thing. And they'll have some penalties that they issue on the players, and then if you take too long, more will come out, or events will come out that hurt you, that sort of thing. It's okay. You... It, you do have a lot of teamwork to do. You've got to discuss, right, how are we going to get out of this, guys? You know, nobody can be a Lone Ranger in this. And the the scenarios, I mean, the theme, again, suffers from Pathfinder's issue, which is it doesn't come out as strongly as I would like. You know, Shadowrun's a very thematic universe when you play the RPG. In this card game, yeah, the artwork's from the RPG, so at least that's nice. And yes, you are playing dwarfs and elves and trolls and stuff like that. But... It's essentially just another deck building card game that you play cooperatively. Not to say it's bad, but it's kind of meh. You know, nothing special, but nothing bad either. I'd happily play it again, and I think if it gets shown, if they bring it back to the club, I think I will play it some more times to see how it goes, because we did only play the basic introductory scenario, which isn't overly complex or anything, although we did only just win it with some. Uh, not to blow my own trumpet, but some fantastic card strategy from me, I must say. But it, it was alright. I didn't mind it. It's If you like Shadowrun, I suggest you at least give it a try. But I wouldn't go into it expecting it was the best thing since sliced bread. But if you thought Pathfinder was okay, but you're not a fan of fantasy, then maybe give Shadowrun Crossfire a try. Because it isn't that much different from it. And at least in this one, and it's sci-fi cyberpunk, so maybe that's more in your area. And now on to a game that I'm a little less fond of, and that's 20th Century. 20th Century comes from Czech Game Editions, and to put it in context, if most people have got a shop called The Works in their city or town, and they tend to sell books and stationery and games, and mostly it's all cheap nonsense that you never really want. But they put a few board games in and out again, mostly from Real Grande, I must admit. I don't know whether that's them selling back stock or whatever, but who knows. And typically they sell them for a tenner. So really, really cheap. Now, most of the time, these games are, well, you get what you paid for. They're pretty mm, games, you know, Priests of Ra and Taj Mahal and stuff like that. You know, Skylines 3000, you know, games that you didn't really want in the first place, but, oh, well, it's a tenner, why not? Though saying that, they did do a really good job with Arctic Scavengers, bringing that in for a tenner. That was probably the best deal I ever got on the game, ever. But another one in their lineup was 20th Century by Czech Game Editions. And... 
I was a little hazy about this one at first and then I got explained to it by a friend of mine who has had the game for ages and has always tried to get it to the table but nobody was that interested and when I found out what was in it well I could see why I wasn't interested because most of it is about auctioning and most people who know me know that auctions are not one of my favourite mechanics although recently Biblios managed to uh, blow my opinion of auctions out of the water in that game so you know that fair play to it but 20th century was that you had to develop your sort of little area, your little town, and you try you were trying to be as green as possible. You know, it's a very much a green party game. Be nice and clean. And you got points for clearing out trash. You got points for just generally like happiness, they call it. It's like happiness rating, a bit like what you see in civilization games. And you got points for being green and not having pollution everywhere. Now, the way this works is that you will buy auction for tiles which build up this little map in front of you with train tracks and cities on it a bit like Carcassonne and you will bid for these tiles and you go through at least about eight of them you will also buy technologies which isn't quite as uh, awesome as it sounds technologies is basically just like a little one around ability you might get or maybe a boost to your greenness or something it's you know you get trains that you might move people around cities now it's it's not exactly as glamorous as most technology trees but then once you've done that you then have to auction off science which is like another commodity as well as gold and you use this in order to try and avoid catastrophes and basically there's a grid with five columns and each you have to keep bidding on it until there's one ca- one player in each column and the, what happens is that each column will be above a you know gain this much trash or gain this much pollution or maybe gain nothing and the idea is is that you're trying to bid as much more science than other players so that you don't end up being stuck on the lower end of the scale where you end up with loads of penalties that's quite a cool way of doing the auction although it does seem to take forever and that's one problem i have with this game it takes forever this is a game that easily hits a two-hour mark and that's i mean granted we played it with five players and we were new and graham and fully you know absorbed the rules you know so it was the first game with the max players but it took us like two and a half plus hours and when you look on board game geek the playing time is 120 minutes so it thinks it should take about two hours even with what three or four players maybe you could get it down a bit i would have thought but oh my god two and a bit hours of auctioning it just felt like power grid all over again now i thought okay i'll get to build a little map that's quite nice but all the map tiles are exactly the same the only difference between the map tiles is that the train tracks might go off in different directions and the city bonuses might vary that's it so yeah you build up this little map in front of you but it doesn't really look like a town and it's i don't know it just seems very gimmicky it's nowhere near like what you get in carcassonne in terms of building this vast map you know you might build a map that's only got about like i don't know 12 tiles by the end of the game it's certainly not 10 to 12 tiles it's not exactly a massive map so it just seems very gimmicky the technologies are very underwhelming as well you know you, you might get a train that allows you to move a guy from one space to another you might get uh, just an increase to your greenness chart or whatever it is you know you've got various point tracks you've got to keep track of and it, we sort of discovered by the end that there was a bit of a problem with a runaway leader you know for most of the game the same two people that started off well were always in front although the person in third place actually managed to win it mainly because he'd mostly maxed out or done pretty well on his ecology track which is just basically you know the more green you are the more points you get 
but you got so many points for that track it was ridiculous it just propelled him straight into first place with that and he didn't even have the max amount on there so it was quickly easy to tell that the best way to win the game is simply not to buy loads of tiles because you really don't need to have that many tiles in your area especially if you can move your people to the the better cities so gold actually becomes fairly redundant once you've at least just paid for your tile you could just drop out of the first lot of auctions and just load up on science so you don't get caught by catastrophes but yeah the main incentive is just to go for that ecology track there's so many points you get for it that that just seems like the easy win strategy and i do that i mean auctions take forever when i'm playing games anyway you, you get somebody bidding free and then you gotta wait do 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 you know as somebody is waiting uh four you know so, oh, finally right five and do 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 do, do. Is that, how hard can it be to tell whether you want to bid on something or not you should have in your head how much gold you've got in your possession and how badly you want the tile so you should know exactly what your maximum price for the tile is therefore bid up to that and if it goes above just pass nice and quick but oh when you've got five players this game just drags and every turn is rinse repeat so there's no variation uh i don't know i mean i don't hate it it's okay for an auction game but it i mean it goes on board game game as civilization and city building that's that just seems a little bit of a misleading thing. I mean, you build this petty little map with a few train tracks on it, and you are not a civilization. You are just you with a few little map tiles. You know, it's not like you're the Romans building up your mighty empire. It's just a titty little town. For a tenor, though, it's not bad. I mean, if you are one of these people that can pick it up for a tenor, I'd say you get your money's worth in it, even just from a couple of games. But... If you want me to play a game for two and a bit hours, one, it ain't going to involve auctions, because I certainly wouldn't want to play auctions for two and a half hours. But there are plenty more games I would rather play for two and a half hours. I mean, you want me to do a long Euro game? Fine, I'll bring out Caverna and Terra Mystica. Sorted, job done. So, 20th Century is going to get a pass for me. I don't hate it, but I just think it's got too many problems with it, and it's not for me. So, pass on that one. Okay, continuing along the trend of hate and like today, the discussion I wanted to go over is one that I hear a few people comment on lately, and that's whether you have to win a game in order to like it. Now, there are some games or some people that will say that the more you win a game, the more you will enjoy it, which is a reasonable assumption to make. And I suppose for the most part, it does make a bit of sense because if you're constantly beat down by other players in a game, chances are you're not going to enjoy it as much. I don't tend to win coup very often, but it's not because of that that I don't like coup. I don't like coup because I just think the characters are completely unbalanced. I mean, every time you play the game, it's just duke, 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 duke. Yeah, I wonder why. And, but... You know, it certainly doesn't help that I can't win it often. But I don't think that necessarily that's the case. I'm going to give a couple of good examples. One off is, I think they might actually be from co-op. Yeah, they're both cooperative games for a start. And the first biggest example I can think of is Robinson Crusoe. Robinson Crusoe was a game I originally wasn't a fan of, but I did put it on my overrated games list. 
but I've started to warm up to it now, and it's I'm actually starting to see what's good about it. But Robinson Crusoe is one of the like hardest co-op games that's in existence. I mean, this one will beat you down from the second you step on that island, and it will not let up. So most people have a problem actually trying to win the game itself, but that doesn't stop me enjoying it because you you see co-op games as a challenge. So if I can't beat it, I will try again and I'll beat it next time. And other co-op games have this similar thing, like uh, another example, Ghost Stories. Ghost Stories is a really fun co-op game and it's very difficult. I mean, the ghosts can just come out and come out and beat you down and, you know, the dice may go your way or they may not. But I think with cooperative games, it's a bit different, though, from competitive ones. A co-op game should be challenging. Otherwise, it's not really that fun as a co-op game so when you're trying to beat the game in that respect i reckon that the harder a co-op game is the more fun it is so i don't think you have to win co-op games to enjoy them if anything co-op games that i win far too often i've gotten more bored with lately you know i tend to win forbidden desert fairly often unless you put it on the harder difficulties and you know i haven't played that in a little while but you know, co-op games are challenging in their own right, and I don't think that you have to win those often in order to like the games. In terms of competitive games, though, that might be slightly different. I don't think personally that I have to win competitive games often in order to enjoy them. I mean, I don't think I've won Terra Mystica that often. I've won it a few times, but I think I've been pulverized on others. And there are plenty of Amerifrash games, you know, King of Tokyo and various other short games that I just get creamed on, but that's not made me dislike the game either. There are going to be some people that that is an irk to, and I reckon that's more for non-gamers than it is actual gamers, because getting non-gamers into the hobby is tricky enough in itself without having to beat them down constantly in a competitive game. That's why I always suggest go for co-ops. But... Certainly, if a non-gamer thinks that this is too much of a learning curve and there is no chance I'm ever going to get good at any of these games, then they might not necessarily enjoy them as much, with the exception of party games, I suppose, because, well, you know, party games, everyone's just having a laugh anyway. But certainly, I think it depends on how you get beat, though. I mean, if you have a really fun game, and it's like down to the wire, and then at the last pit you're pipped at the post at the last minute it's like, oh no i've just lost it ah well but good game you know that was good fun in that that's okay you know you enjoyed the game but you didn't have to think oh, i lost it i don't like it as much now but i think the ones where you just get literally smacked on so i think it's more the really not just competitive but the cutthroat games i think that's where the ability not winning it will dampen your likeness for the game. Survive Escape from Atlantis is probably a good example where, you know, it's a cool little game. You've got your sailors on an island. You're trying to evacuate them to the other islands. But everybody else is eating up your players with sharks and squids and all that sort of thing. Now, you know, there is a chance to get picked on heavily in that game. And if you do, then too bad, so sad. You've got no chance of winning the game. And naturally, that has happened to me before. And that really annoys me. It's going to annoy a lot of people when that happens. So I think in terms of cutthroat games, then you have got an issue where if you don't win them very often, you won't like them as much. But then I think that's going to apply to everybody who plays a cutthroat game. Unless they really are, you know, decent, (laughs) easygoing people, say, and they don't mind that kind of thing, in which case, fair play to them. I want to play some games with you. But 
certainly it may irk me a little bit but not too much it depends on the game itself i mean if i get beaten up to a pulp in king of tokyo that's still a good laugh anyway because you're a big monster laying the smackdown so i don't mind so much with that with long games it can be another issue because long games if they're down to the wire are all right you know you had a really good fun time but let's say you're playing something i mean we'll go to the extreme first twilight imperium 3 let's say you're playing that for like six hours and after an hour and a half you are beaten back to the point where there is no physical chance you are going to win but you're stuck in that game for another four hours that's going to make you hate that game with a passion when you're finished with it and the same will go for long Euros as well. I mean, a game that might take three hours, if you're getting beaten back in last place all the time, is the game going to be as fun for you? I wouldn't be surprised if some people thought no. It's going to, shall we say, great a few people. So I don't have a problem with that as such. And it's just one of these things with games. Certainly if winning is not something you do a lot in games, and maybe you should stick to something like co-op or very light short games, because then at least if you don't win... You haven't been invested into it for too long, and, well, like, it's 60 minutes out of your life, no big deal. But co-ops are definitely the best way to go, because I, I'm i fine with a co-op beating me down lots to an extent. Obviously, I want to be able to win it eventually, but if I enjoyed the game up to the point I got killed, then so be it. You know, at least I had a good time. And there are games that I do not like. You know, you're going to get to some of them later on, but I suppose I'll... Two games that I'm not as big a fan of, but I don't hate, would be Star Realms and Dead of Winter. You know, two games that are really hyped up at the moment. And, you know, Dead of Winter, I think, has got a lot of problems with it. But, I I mean, yes, I've never won it, but I don't think it's uh, that's really been a factor in it. You know, it's more the mechanics of the game I don't like. And Star Realms, I've won it a couple of times, but most of the time, you know, even the basic AI on the iPad beats me up. And I just think that, you know, it's all about yellow and blue in that game and the red is nigh on pointless and the green is only good if you splash it with other people you know i I could be i mean people will happily tell me i'm wrong on that but that just seems to be the experience i've had that every time i go for yellows and get a lot of yellows auto win and but i suppose maybe that's made me not like the game as much but then i suppose with star realms i've just kind of grown tired of it i'm a little bit bored it's getting a bit repetitive But it's going to come down, I think, to two things. One, the nature of the person. What are they like? Are they the sort of person that just wants to win and win and win and nothing else? In which case, they're probably not the sort of person I want to be playing games with anyway because they get far too competitive and just moan when it doesn't go their way. And it's like, "Mm, you know, that's not really the sort of person you want to be playing games with. But certainly those sort of people are definitely going to be the ones where if they don't win the game, they won't enjoy it. But then if it's one of these games that they win often, then chances are it's going to grate some of the people that are playing it with him. So it's kind of works both ways. The second aspect is probably going to be the how cutthroat the game is in general. I mean, if the game is mostly sort of multiplayer solitaire or it's, you know, a bit of light back and forth, but it's down to what you did that made you lose, then fair enough. But if it's one of these games where basically some negotiation games suffer from this as well, where you know, you could gang up on someone or someone just just get completely hosed beyond their control and that's going to grate a few people because they'll feel they've been picked on and, you know, you don't want to play a game so that you can be bullied. That's not a way to enjoy a game. So that would be the two things that I reckon would play into it. Personally, I don't have to win a game to enjoy it. Granted, winning a game is great. You play, I play to win, you know, I play to enjoy the game but I also 
want to win it at the end of the day. I mean, that's what you're trying to do. You're trying to beat the game and other players. But if I lose it, no big deal. And if it's a co-op and then I lose, definitely not a big deal. I will come back and I will fight harder next time. So that's my little discussion slash rant on it. Personally, I don't think I have to win a game to enjoy it, but I know that there are certain occasions out there where it certainly could grate other people. Okay, here's the list that I've been wanting to do for a while. The top 10 games I hate, or my top 10 worst games I've played. Just generally 10 games I would rather not have to play again for various reasons. Now, just to put in a caveat, this does not mean I don't like you if I don't like the game and you love it, okay? I know there's at least two or three games on this list that is going to irk some people, but... In the end, this is just my opinion, nothing else. I am not a guru of games. This is just 10 games I personally do not like, and I will give my reasons as I go along. Also, I don't want to confuse this with the top 10 overrated games I did, because this is different. I can still like a game and think it's a bit overrated. And to be fair, some of the games that were on my previous overrated list, I've actually taken off that list. Robinson Crusoe being a good uh, example, I put that on overrated, but then I played it some more and more solo rather than massive groups that were like AP prone and that. And I realized, oh, actually, this is really cool. And then I bought my own copy and now I like it. So games and that do change. But overrated and worst are two completely different things. You can think a game is okay, but think that the hype is way too much for it. And Dead of Winter is probably my biggest example. Spoiler alert, it's not on my list despite the fact that I tend to critique it a lot. But I just think that Dead of Winter is one of the most overrated games that there is at the moment. Now, overrated doesn't mean bad. I can sit down and play the game. That's not a problem. And I won't, you know, if it's if it's a semi-co-op at the end of the day, but I will still play it. But I just think it doesn't deserve the, oh my god, this is the god of games type thing. That's what overrated means. Worst, these are games that I would rather never have to play any more in my entire life. And, well, you're essentially going to hear me rant for the next 20 minutes, 30 minutes, so I suspect that's why you're here anyway, just to hear me rant like an old, bitter man. So, let's make a start. Top 10 games I hate. Number 10. Now, nobody probably expected this to be on the list, but, and especially how new it is, this is a very recent game, but I just don't get this. I mean, I... I think it's overrated anyway, but I just really don't like playing this game, and that is Mighty Koro. Mighty Koro has been popular with a lot of people, and fair play if it's doing that. You know, we sold quite a lot of copies of Mighty Koro Insomnia, so I understand that it's popular with a lot of people, but I just really don't like it because you have the buildings out, and all you're doing is roll a die, hopefully collect money, that's assuming the dice actually go your way. And then you just carry on until eventually one person wins. There's no strategy in the game. I mean, you might decide you want to go for lots of this number, but it doesn't mean anything if the dice doesn't roll it. You know, my strategy is to put all my eggs in one basket and have nothing but 9 and 10. Right, well, if no one rolls 9 and 10, there goes your strategy. No control over it, that was it. And, alright, I'll spread the load out. And you don't get enough money, or you just don't roll the numbers you want anyway. It's like, and then one person rolls the perfect number for him, gets this massive wad of cash, and then just steamrolls the game. 
And I thought, oh god, this is not one for me. And then it got even worse when we put the expansion in it. That just broke the game. First up, the variant that's in it allows you to just shuffle all the buildings into one deck and draw them out randomly. So, as if the game wasn't random enough, now all the buildings you get are random as well, so chances are you won't be able to buy the thing that you wanted to buy anyway. I suppose for some people that can improve it, but god, I mean, you wanted the game to be random enough as it is, now you've got it even more random. And the... oh, I forget, what is it called? Uh, I think it's the harbour itself, actually. It's a two gold costing special building that you have to build to win the game and it basically means that if you roll a 10 or above you can add two to that roll and the idea is is that it's so you can get various things like tuna boats and stuff which require you to roll at least like a 13 or 14 on the dice but that just breaks some of the cards because i had one game where i bought a few cards that were worth 10 but then people could completely ignore them because every time they rolled a 10, even though they didn't have anything that was 11 or 12, they could just add 2 to the roll and I'd never get any money. It's like, why put in a building that is so cheap that it literally breaks the game? That does not make any sense. Uh, if you held me at gunpoint, maybe I could play this, but uh, it, I mean, it's, and it takes too long. This is supposed to be a game that you can wrap up in 20 minutes. I have never played a four-player game of this where it wrapped up in 20 minutes. It always drags on. People take so long to think about, oh, should I have this building or this building? It's like, just roll the die and collect your money. It's not that difficult. Ugh. It's not one that I'm a fan of, although it is only my number 10, so it's not like I detest the game, but it's just one that I would rather not have to play ever again. That's Mighty Koro. My number 9 is a Euro game from 2007 by Stefan Feld. Stefan Feld has made some okay games, but he's not one of my favourite designers because the problem with Stefan Feld is that he will make his games solely about mechanics. I mean, screw the theme. The theme in his games never amounts to anything, so it is literally just about the mechanics. Now, that's not such a bad thing until you play In the Year of the Dragon. In the Year of the Dragon is a Rio Grande Euro game where you are basically taking on the role of Chinese rulers around the year 1000 and you are trying to build up your little, I suppose, mini civilization. But the game plays over 12 rounds and after the second round, basically everything just goes from bad to worse. Disease, drought, attacks on the Mongols and all sorts of things basically come in and screw over your civilization. Now granted this helps to ev this happens to everyone and the idea is, is that you're supposed to build these buildings and tiles and upgrades and people that allow you to mitigate the losses. But basically the game plays out very boring. I mean it's not particularly exciting and you don't feel like you've got this vibrant civilization. You've just got a bunch of little tiles. And it's just really painful. The game just basically goes, right, you've had your first two years, right, now sledgehammer! And then, uh, what? You just, all you, hey, I build up my little city of people. Oh, they've been wiped out. Oh, yay, look at my vibrant farm with all the corn. Oh, the drought's come and now I've got no food. Hey, I've got this guy in this building. Yeah, oh, he just died. Basically, the game just punches you in the face at the end of every round and makes all your hard work essentially amount to nothing as everything that you try to create gets destroyed every round and if you get caught at the back you are screwed i mean this has one hell of a bad runaway leader problem if somebody starts off well they're gonna do well end of but 
you know, theme is not there, the whole sort of Asian dynamic, you could copy and paste any other type of civilization on here, it would make no difference. And uh, it's just painful. It's just painful to have everything that you try to create be smacked down in an instant just because the game says so. And this got some high praise, particularly from the Stefan Feldites, who basically love Stefan Feld, but nah, that I wouldn't call this in the year of the dragon, it's more in the year of the depressing game, because nothing ever goes right for you in it. So, yeah, never gonna be wanting to play this one anytime soon. Number eight is this really what can only be described as a very over the long, very stupid game. It's called Nuclear War by Flying Buffalo. Yeah, and already you think Flying Buffalo? Yes, I am in the uh I'm in the right place now. This came out ages ago, nineteen sixty-five, and on Board Game Geek its subdomain is Thematic Games. What? Okay, oh great, yes, you are basically a world power and you're attempting to gain domination or annihilation through the strategic use of propaganda and nuclear weapons. Now, strategic is a bit of a strong word. You are basically just drawing and playing cards and just seeing what happens. Most of the cards just being, oh, I blew up you know, various amounts of your population and some of them will be jets or fighters in order to fend off other bombs. But basically, all you're doing is drawing some cards and playing cards and waiting endlessly for the game to hurry up and finish. It's just so boring. You don't really feel like I'm launching a ton of nukes and blowing up people. And let's face it, it's not exactly the best theme in the world, is it? You know, I'm nuking the entire world. Woohoo! You know, but it's just really dull and it takes ages. It says 60 minutes playing time. Easily 60 to 75 minutes for a game that is basically just luck. You're just drawing cards and playing them and that's it. There's no strategy. There's no, like, tactical choices or anything. It's just draw and play some cards. That's it. It's just really dull. I mean, okay, what do you expect from the 1960s, I suppose? But, uh, and for that, I mean, yes, it is the 60s, but come on. You can do better than that on the artwork. The artwork in this game is atrocious. It's like something I could have created in primary school. Just really, really irritating game, this one. Nuclear War, just basically draw a card, play card, luck, the end, after something that takes a million times longer than something like Love Letter, which is far better to play if you just want to draw cards and play cards. So, Nuclear War, get out of my face. Number seven, now this will irk at least one or two people I know because I know that they absolutely adore this game, but I'm sorry, it's just not for me. That is Luchador Mexican Wrestling Dice. I have never seen a game where grown men will just ham it up like crazy. And why? Wrestling is not that fun a sport. I mean, granted, this might be a slight personal nitpick, and I did already say this is a personal opinion, not global opinion, but I don't like wrestling. it's made up, it's rubbish, it's hammed up to the max, it's just a bunch of overweight men in stupid clothing jumping on each other and shouting to the crowd in what is a scripted event. It's just stupid and pointless in my opinion. So a dice game based on it is hardly going to win me in any way, especially when I think Mexican wrestling is the worst in the world because it's just ridiculous when you watch that stuff. But this is basically, I mean I'm basing it on the second edition as well. The first edition is just beyond rubbish. I mean, the first edition would have shot higher up this list. The second edition saves it a little bit by having some like, 
personal player powers, that kind of thing. But in the end, it's a luck fest. It's being gimmicked up with the whole thing of you roll the dice in this ring, you know, so fair, fair play, component quality is good. But in the end, you just roll the die and see what happens. That's it. There's no strategy. There's barely any tactics. You roll the die, match them up, see what happens. Occasionally, you might choose whether you want to go for a basic move or a super move, in which case, you always go for the super move. Because in the end, yeah, you may not always succeed with the super move, but the super moves can be so devastating that you just need that one or two moves to go off. And this is all it is. Roll dice, match them up. Roll dice, match them up. Roll dice, match them up. Oh, while all the people around the table are basically hamming it up with some extra cheese and salad to essentially go, you know, making cries from Mexican wrestlers and dressing up in stupid costumes like, oh. I mean, if you like Mexican wrestling, fine, but I really can't stand the sport. And to make a game based on it where all you hear is these stupid wrestling comments and you do nothing but just roll the die and hope it works. I mean, at least King of Tokyo gives you some choices and re-rolls to do with the die. Here, you just roll them and see what happens. I have crushed you under my wing. It's like, dude, you rolled a few more hits than I could roll blocks. That's it. Woo. You know, ugh. Could have been higher up the list if it was just the first edition. The second edition saves it a little bit, but seriously, Luchador Mexican Wrestling Dice, I never want to play this game ever again. Number six, and I bet many people expected this to be higher on the list because it was very high on the overrated games list. But anybody who knows me is always sort of taking the slight mick for me for this, like trying to suggest, oh, this is one of your favourite games, isn't it? Look, they're playing it over there. You'll want to play it, don't you? Lovely Power Grid. Oh, God, no. Bloody Power Grid. Honestly, Power Grid, I, you know I don't like auctions, so already you can see one reason why I don't like this game. In fact, the only thing I do like about it at all is the resource market. That's okay. Can we please take that out and stick it in a good game, please? Because all you get in Power Grid is this, you know, dull color map that basically, rather than have it expand with the number of players as such, you know, that you build it up, you just simply cover up entire sections, which I've seen people do with bits of paper and that, because it's so difficult to tell where the border lines are that you always end up thinking, oh, I can build into there. Oh, wait, I can't. My whole strategy has now fallen to pot. But then on top of this, it's just dull auctions. You basically have these power stations that you bid on. I mean, apparently that's how you get power stations. I didn't realize that was how it worked in the real world. But... And the bids just go on forever because, at least in certain other games, like that 20th century I mentioned earlier, at least you're not usually bidding more than seven for something. You know, you're keeping the numbers low. Here, though, because you're getting all sorts of numbers, the mathiness goes off the scale. And you could be starting a bid at ten. And then by the time it gets finished, it could be like 60-something. And all that time, you're just AP to the max because every time someone bids and someone outbids them... They've then got to think, oh god, I've got to redo all my calculations again. Can I do, do this? Uh, ding, 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 for at least another 15 minutes before they eventually decide to say, 62. It's like, oh, just finish this stupid auction, please, so we can go on to the resource market. And then that's done with no time at all. Then you just put these stupid little Monopoly houses on the board, and you never feel like you're connecting up power stations and powering a country. You are just bidding on tiles, spending money, 
generating money. That's it. And don't even get me started on the horrible artificial catch-up mechanic in the game, which is that stupid turn order track that basically people who win this game often manipulate that so much in order to not do as well to begin with and then suddenly come ahead. Yeah, because apparently all these companies never like to be the best of the best. They always want to be slightly worse and then just jump ahead. That's so thematic. But it's just... It's boring. It's dull. It's incredibly overrated. I hate it. I never want to play Paragrid ever again. And I cheer when I hear that people have played it and also think the same. I can't stand it. It goes on forever. Boring, dull, tedious auction game. Get out of my face. And this is only number six. Number five is another game that is very much a Marmite game. Some people absolutely adore this game. And a lot of other people absolutely detest this game. And they have good reason to. And that is a horror game called Betrayal on House on the Hill. Betrayal on House on the Hill. Now, I like horror games. Horror games, if they're done right, can be really cool. I love the Arkham Horrors and I love the Eldritch Horror game as well. But this is not horror. This is basically, you run into a room, I'm sorry, run into a house, there's these tiles for the rooms that all, most of them look exactly the same. They're really dark and dull, so it's just like a massive collage of brown all over the table. I mean, if you're sitting anywhere with bad lighting, you will not be able to see what the hell's going on. And you just run around these rooms, randomly drawing cards, seeing what happens, maybe rolling some dice randomly, until eventually one person becomes a bad guy, you read a little story... And then you just play out the rest of the game. Now it's got variety, so I'll give it that. You've got a lot of different stories in there. But it's just completely random. And the rules themselves are broken. You know, there are some cards in there that basically turn you into such a living god you cannot die. But then, like I did in my first game, you basically... I'll take... Oh, I'll take the guy. He's not very good physically-wise, but he's got all the intelligence and wisdom, so we'll see how he goes. First card I draw, you get attacked by a dog. Roll a die for damage. Max damage. You're now practically crippled. And there was no way for me to heal it throughout the rest of the game. I just got crippled by one card, and that was it. And then suddenly I become the evil voodoo priest or whatever it was, and then suddenly, you know, I can't do anything because I have to basically just spend my entire turn just going, you, take a damage, roll. Oh, you're already a god because of those items? Oh, well, fair enough then. And I just had to sit there and wait. Why do people like this game? Honestly, the the component quality is rubbish. The stories aren't that... They're not scary. It's not a proper horror game. There's no atmosphere in this thing. It is completely random. The cards are completely unbalanced. And yet... And it takes forever. I mean, I was there for ages. I mean, I swear the game took about an hour and a half. And it's just dice rolling and just waiting. Please finish. You know, I was almost giving the uh, good guys hints as to where they needed to go just so I could finish and play a different game. This, and when they reprinted it, they changed nothing. Nothing about the game at all got changed in the reprint. They they almost made it worse. I mean, if you're going to if you're going to reprint a game, fix it, okay? Fix the mistakes, fix the components, get it right. But this Ugh, some I hear a lot of people praise it, and I don't know why. It's not worth it. You want a horror game? Go play Arkham or Eldritch Horror. You won't regret that. But play this, 
Yeah, you're just letting yourself in for what you deserve. My number four is technically only one game, but I'm going to throw a collection of games in here. The game in question is Chicago Express, but I'm going to bolt it along with pretty much every 18xx game that's ever been created. Now, Chicago Express is kind of 18xx light. They say it's got no luck factor. And granted, there is very little little luck. I mean, there's, there's obviously some luck, but there certainly isn't a lot. But basically, all you do in Chicago Express in these various games is play on this very dull-looking board, building train tracks, connecting cities, and occasionally buying and selling shares and auctioning shares. And that's it. Play until you've got the pair with the most money, and that's it. 18xx games can take forever, and it feels like you're doing work. You know, when will I receive my paycheck for doing all this work for the day? They're boring and tedious. Chicago Express is a simplified version, but again, it's incredibly dull and tedious. All you do is basically expand your rail system, build a sit, build a little tile. Uh, you can either you can also auction shares for the company, so basically you're dealing in shares. Which let's face it, I'm an accountant, and even I know that buying and selling shares is one of the most boring things you can do in the world. And you can also develop one of the board's hexes to make it a little bit better. Except that doing this is completely pointless because, as it was discovered, nobody just developed a hex because there was always something better to do by expanding your rail to get to one of the bigger cities or to deal with the shares. So basically, out of the three actions that you're allowed to do, one of them is completely redundant. So you've only got a choice of two, really. And it's just build a track, auction a share. Build a track, auction a share. Build a track, order. Oh, God. Horrible game. Horrible train game. Train games are not that much fun anyway, but this is just dullness. Complete dullness. I can't... It's hard to say what's necessarily good or bad about it. It's just dull. It is just some cardboard with some tile with it. That's it. It's just so boring. Ugh. Honestly, just stay away from it. It's just not worth it. It's not the sh- it's not the longest game in the world, but it is just the almost the quintessential epitome of boring. There is one game coming up that is more boring than this, and you will find out what that is later. But this being one of the most boring games I've ever played, Chicago Express and all the 18xx stuff. Oh dear God. Okay, the next two games aren't necessarily going to be as boring as the last one, or certainly my number one, but the next two are just annoying games. And to start off with, this is called Pirates! Card game. The reason I did that shout is for some reason it's called Pirates with two exclamation marks on it, or an exclamation mark, I digress. But basically it's like, why? I don't know. But all this is, is a card game where you are pirates fighting competitively to get the most points. And all that happens is that you have your starting little ship with a bunch of crew on it, and you will draw randomly from a deck of cards and decide which ship you're going to go after. Whether you have any chance of beating the ship or not depends entirely on luck, because it's just whatever gets drawn out of the deck. And then when you fight a ship, you roll as many dice as your crew against somebody else who rolls the dice for the ship, and they roll as many as they have on their ship, crew-wise. You'll do this for cannons first, but once you've done like one shot each with those, you'll do the crew, and you just roll 
and compare the two and see how many hits you get. That's it. But then the thing is, it doesn't stop there. No, because if there's any crew left, you roll again. And if there's still more crew left, you roll again. And again. And again. And again. And again. And again. And again. You see where I'm coming from here. The game is just an endless rolling dice fest where you're just trying to get hits on a die. That's it. It's so completely random, it's ridiculous. And the cards themselves, the artwork's pretty shoddy. It takes forever when you've got the maximum number of players. And we really do not play this game with five, six players or whatever. It will just drag on forever as people take forever to finish their goes. You've got nothing to do during the downtime. It's just sit around and watch. And then when it gets to your turn, oh, just roll some dice, roll some dice, roll some dice, roll some dice, roll some dice. And I've done it. You've got treasure cards that you can try and go for, but they're completely pointless because the best way to get points in this game is simply to just take over other ships. Because, yes, you might get a bonus point for having the most treasure, but the amount of effort you have to do in order to get them is worse than simply just going, oh, I'll just go kill the ship and get a bunch of crew on the ship. And you can attack each other, but again, it's just, right, I'll attack you, fine. Compare dice. Dice, 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 dice. You know, ugh. It's not fun. It's boring during downtime, but it's also just infuriating that how bad the mechanics of this game is. It was a Kickstarter, I believe. How on earth did this fund? I mean, I've seen games far better than this not fund, and yet this one somehow did. Perhaps it was because they asked for a really low goal, I don't know. But Pirates! Exclamation mark card game is a rubbish card game. Don't play it. There's far better out there. Okay, we're coming to my two worst games of all time, and we're on my number two. And, well, it's Monopoly. But, not the Monopoly you're thinking of. The base game of Monopoly, yeah, I don't particularly like it, but it's a mainstream game, and I tried not to include the sort of mainstream games on this list from ages ago. Specifically, what I'm talking about is Monopoly Deal Card Game. This is just a complete chaotic luck fest that's all it is it's on the similar lines to luchador mexican wrestling dice except you have even less choices in this game and it's done with these cards with you know no decent artwork or anything it's just functional cards but basically you play your cards to acquire properties and build the houses and get money that sort of thing and the cards are the like payments as such and basically all you do is you draw a couple of cards in the draw pile. You play up to three cards in your hand, face up, or as like money in the bank, properties, that kind of thing. And then you discard cards. And that's it. You carry on until you've got three complete property sets of different colors, and that's it. Various cards that you play will screw over other people, or if people draw certain cards, you know, you, you collect rent in their sort of money in that. But it's just complete luck. There's no way to mitigate the game whatsoever. You draw cards and play them and just hope for the best. You And if you get hosed at the start, good game, that's it, you are done. You know, somebody just happens to draw the best cards, they win the game. And that's it. You might as well have just rolled the die and said who got the highest number and you won. I've, I can't imagine any game that has even less choices to make than this game. You know, at least in Yahtzee, you choose to re-roll the dice. Here, you have no choices. Draw the cards and play them and see what happens. Do you get hosed or do you win? Monopoly deal card game. One just horrifically bad 
mechanics. It's fast, so at least you know your pain will end relatively quickly. But it's just, it's not fun. It's horrible. This is a game that is worse than the original Monopoly. As if that's even possible to some people. It's not fun at all. It's horrible. It's you. You know. I don't. I don't even know what else to say. The game is just dull, luckfest, boring, garbage. Throw it in the garbage. It may be cheap, but don't fall for it. This is not a game you're going to be playing. It's horrible. Monopoly deal card game. I want my five ten minutes back. Alright, here we go, my number one worst game I've ever played. This is certainly going to be, you know, lighting a few fires here, but you might have guessed it by now, because anybody who knows me should know two games I do speak of a lot that I hate. One of them being Power Grid, and another one being a Euro game, which I think was by Donald Vaccarino. And, I mean, after he made Dominion, I thought, yes, fantastic, you know, he's... You know, it's not the most romantic thing in the world, but this is a really cool Euro game. Hopefully, the stuff he does next will be really good. Unfortunately, he came out with a game called Kingdom Builder. Kingdom Builder is not only just dull and boring, but it's one of those games that just makes me physically angry to play it. This whole clip art style war where everyone goes, oh, it's nice variable setup in that. What, these four little clip art things that basically just jumble up the terrain a little bit. That's it. That's what you call variable setup, is it? And then you've got these objectives. They're variable. Look, I mean, this game, you have to do this. You know, in a different game, it might be something else. Oh, so in this game, you've got to build your houses in a straight line. Here you do it in little circles. Here you've got to stick to a corner of the board. How many building developers do you know that basically state that they have to build their houses in some stupid little straight line or a triangle or whatever and you're building over grassland chasms mountains and what is that pink stuff seriously what is that pink stuff it's like fairy dust you building like one house in you know the moors across the hills and the other one you're building a pixie world i don't know but a stupid thing and then on your turn you draw one card from this deck one card and one card only and that tells you what terrain you can build on so basically the game plays you you might be able to choose oh you know which pixie terrain for example do i want but then it's dictated by whether you've got houses on that terrain anyway because you've got a following sequence so basically the whole game hinges on that deck you draw the terrain that you want at the time you want you will win end of the bonus tiles that you can pick up, they're completely unbalanced. There's one that I think allows you to go like on the edges, wherever you like around the world. That is pretty powerful. Another one is that I think you get to sort of almost like move your houses in a straight line from one bit to another until it gets blocked by a mountain or something. Again, really powerful. But then there are some that are just complete rubbish that just don't seem to do anything. And, oh, God. I mean... It's just dull and boring as well because you've just got this clip art mat, you've got these Monopoly houses that you're building in stupid little shapes and God knows what else. There's like no theme in this game whatsoever. It is so bone dry. I reckon that my... I reckon the only thing drier than my throat right now is Kingdom Builder. It's that dry. And 
you can't get excited over this game. I mean, you draw your little grassland. It's like, yes, look at my house built, scoring. Oh, I just pwned you. Look at that house. Look at that house on that grassland. Look at my triangle there. Look at it defeating your circles and your grouped up little houses there. It's like, there's nothing to like in this game. And it won an award. It won an award. The Spilled Yaris, I think, won some big award in that year. And I can't see how. The people who rated this as award winning must have been asleep while they played this game. Because it just puts me to sleep so bad. That's assuming that I'm not, you know, awake from furious rage as the card never gives you what you want and it's just you want the game to end so badly. But, oh, how did it win an award? It's, now that I've just mentioned it, it's now going to haunt me for the rest of today. How that game won the award. But, I don't know. And it had expansions as well. Seriously? People like this game? I don't know. I, I put it down as my number one overrated game. And I'm putting it down as my worst game of all time. I hate it with an absolute passion. Kingdom Builder is not a game. It's barely even an activity. It's just bland, dry, horrible, unbalanced, dull garbage. The only use for this game is to fuel the fire in your house that keeps you warm at winter. That's it. Other than that, this should not be ever played by anybody ever. I'm that strong about it. It's just horrible, horrible mess. Ugh. Kingdom Builder, my number one most hated game ever. You will not catch me playing this even in the cold regions of the seventh layer of hell. I don't know. You will never see me play this game again, and I will still question why anybody wants to play it. Kingdom Builder, so bad. <sighs> and breathe. There we go. My top 10 most hated games. And I'm sure this list will change dramatically in the years to come. As other games come out that I don't like. I mean there are games that I don't like that I don't consider to be worthy of this list so you know it's not like these are the only 10 games I don't like but at least there'll be like others have merits to them or they don't make me as bored or angry as other ones but I know it sounds like I'm going on a old guy bitter rant here but there are loads of games I like you know but there will easily be twice as many games I like than there are games I don't like and certainly more games that I adore and love compared to the games that I completely detest and despise. So, and even then, as I said, some of those games on that list are ones that are staples in some people's collections. And if you like the game, that's fine. If you like Kingdom Builder, Power Grid, uh, In the Year of the Dragon, Mighty Koro, then fine. I don't mind. If it gives you the enjoyment that you want, then that's great. It's promoting the gaming hobby, and it's allowing you to have some decent social times with friends and family. Then that's brilliant. It's done its job, and I applaud it for that. But these are just personally games I detest and despise, so you're never going to get me to play these if I can help it. And that's fine. Play it with someone else who does like the game, in which case you will have a great time, you will enjoy yourself, and everything's all good. Just because I don't like the game does not mean I don't like you for liking the game. It's just pure 
personal opinion, and I'm probably certain that when I stick this geek list up on Board Game Geek, it's going to get plenty of replies as to, oh my god, why do you hate this game so much? But I look forward to that because I always like a good debate. So it's always good to see what people you know think why a game should be good why a game should be bad as long as it's an educated debate you know an intellectual debate and not just simply flame wars because if you literally just flame out at someone for liking a game without any decent reason for it or you can't accept that you will agree to disagree then that's immature and not really in the spirit of gaming but I digress. I need to wrap this up because my throat is really starting to hurt and I need to get this edited and uploaded this weekend. So that's it from me. Thank you for listening. I'll be back probably in the third week of May around that point because I obviously am not going to do any you know, podcasting as such whilst I'm at the UK Games Expo, which is at the end of May. But I will try and get the next episode up shortly before then. And maybe I will actually be a bit more intelligent and do it in pieces rather than all in one go so that my throat doesn't dry up like sandpaper while I'm trying to do it. Ah, well, that's it from me. Thank you for listening to The Broken Meeple, and I will see you soon. Happy gaming. Kingdom Builder. (sighs) To find out more about board games and The Broken Meeple in general, you can visit one of the three main avenues we have online. First up, there is the blog itself on www.brokenmeeple.blogspot.co.uk. You can also find The Broken Meeple on Facebook. Please come and like the page and share your thoughts with me. And on Twitter, you can find me at The Broken Meeple. 